Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. Here we are. We, we, we're coming out of our series on 2 Chronicles 7.14. We're back in the book of Ephesians. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the book. Y'all excited to continue through Ephesians? I've loved this, man. I, I feel like it's been so, so good, so, so fruitful. But I, I wanted to help refresh you guys on, on where we at. And, and also, we've had a lot of people coming back to church. So I, I think we need to get, let's all get caught up together. I figured that would be something fruitful to do this morning. So we have the author, Paul. Okay, Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians. Now, the, now some, some of the context here, Paul was persecuting Christians. Okay, He was a Christian killer, so to speak. And he has this radical transformation, uh, sees a vision of Jesus. He, he gets totally rocked by the presence of the Lord. He, he's then blinded. He's led to Damascus. A man named Ananias prays for him. Scales fall off of his eyes. And even though phys- something physical fell off, it was like he had new spiritual perspective. And, and Paul goes on to be probably, I, I would arguably, maybe outside of Jesus, the most effective missionary this world has ever seen, even goes on to author some of the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, okay? So Paul is this incredible man of God. Uh, Acts says that he is God's chosen instrument, okay? God's using him in mighty ways. Paul's traveling around from town to town, from city to city. He, he's bringing the gospel and he's starting these fires of, of believers. He's going around starting fires, starting churches. He's like a church planner. He goes, he'll pastor the people for a little and then he's on to the next city. He raises up leaders, then he's on to the next city. And what we see, and, and I believe it's Acts chapter 19 or Acts chapter 20, Paul stumbles into this town called Ephesus. And we talked a little bit about this in week one, but in Ephesus, he stays there for three years. In the three years he's in this city, he just creates these deep bonds of the people. Started with a small group, started with a life group, says he went up to 12 people and they like thought they were believers, but they didn't have it all figured out. And Paul starts meeting with them and the gatherings grow and they, and they meet in the temples and then, and then they kick them out of the temples and they just, man, it's exploding and, and people are falling in love with Jesus. And this, this goes on for three years. And then at the end of the three years, you know, the, the mission is calling Paul and it's time for him to leave. It's time for him to leave Ephesus. And there's, you know, almost this emotional passage where he, he's loading the boat and him and all the elders and all the leaders he's raised up in Ephesus, they're all weeping together as, as Paul's leaving because they don't know if they'll ever see this man again or not. So what's really special about this letter to the Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, is this is years later. Paul's in a prison cell in Rome, but he's writing to the church in Ephesus, and, and you have to understand how excited, how thrilled um, the people of Ephesus are to hear from Paul because they didn't know if they'd ever hear from him or see him again. Okay, so that's the letter that we're going through, but it's been incredibly rich as we've gone through the letter so far. We've learned, here's just a couple of our takeaways. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen, that's good news. I mean, you gotta think, yeah, we can clap about it, it's good, but you know, there's the present age, there's this physical realm, but there's the spiritual realm right now too that we can't see, but our physical realm is affected by that spiritual realm. And in that spiritual realm, we've received every spiritual gift in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's, that's wild. 
Let that not just be common to us. Come on, we've been marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, right? God has deposited his spirit with us, in us, through faith in Jesus Christ. We found out we were dead in our transgressions. Everyone say dead. Dead uh, in our transgressions, but we've been made alive together with Christ. We've been saved by grace. And then our very last message before we went into our Second Chronicles um, series was Ephesians 2.10 that says we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he planned for us long in advance. You, me, were created on purpose, for a purpose. God has good things planned for me and for you. Come on, I'm trying to help y'all step into these good plans. So here's our passage this morning. It's 11 scriptures. We're going to NASCAR through them, okay? We're going to get through them, but it's going to be good. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read through these 11, these 11 verses, and then we'll take the rest of our time breaking them down. Does that sound okay, church? Here we go. Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. It says this. Remember, this is Paul writing a letter from a prison cell. He says, don't forget that you Gentiles, y'all used to be outsiders. Y'all were outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens. <laughs> By the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected their physical bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. This is an incredibly encouraging letter to the people in Ephesus, obviously, so far. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Okay, Paul. Verse 13, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Someone say, but now. Come on, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now, someone say, but now. But now, I love it. Come on, but now you've been brought near through the blood of Christ. This is good news. Verse 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two different groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He wraps it up with this. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done. Verse 19, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone, the one who everything is built on, is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together, right? We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This is so good. There's a lot to unpack here, um, but I'm looking forward to doing it. Y'all ready? Let's pray, then we'll jump in. Jesus, right now, would you prepare our hearts to receive your word? Father, I, I pray out of this house specifically 
because this is the house we're in, but, but really all the other churches in town, all the other churches throughout the world. Let us not just be believers. Let us not just be Christians who just come and play church, who just come and just listen, but nothing ever changes. God, I pray that your word, the seed of your word, would take root in our hearts, and it, it would grow. It would produce fruit in our lives. We want to be more like Jesus. I pray that we would allow, we would be in a posture where this word can, can transform us. God, I believe your word is active. It's alive. These aren't just dead words we're reading, but there's power and authority in these scriptures. Father, I pray as we meet together this morning, would you minister to us and help us to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers also. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, in seventh grade, um, the glory days. Um. In seventh grade, I made the middle school basketball team. Okay, was really excited. Was the new kid. Was the new kid in town. So, um, was really excited to make the the middle school basketball team. And you know, there were a couple of my best friend. His name I won't say his name. Uh, he he's my best. He, his name's Pat. Come on, there he is. You know, <laughs> tire marks all over him. Just throw him under the bus. He was the best man at my wedding, so we're all good now, but we made the team, and Pat, my best friend, he was a seventh grader, he, even though there were eighth graders on the team, Pat was easily the best player on the team. Kid could ball, okay? Went on to play some college ball, was just a really, really good basketball player. Now, there was the school team, and this was like where the elite athletes were, all the kids who could really ball made the school team, and then we had the rec league in town. So the rec league in town was you pay to play. You don't make, everybody makes the team. You know, we'll take your money, put you on a team. There's the red team, the green team, the blue team. But we're all from that city or the surrounding areas, okay? So you have your school team, then you have your rec league. And this is for the kids who, who you know, not that they're necessarily bad basketball players. Maybe they just weren't able to make the school team or maybe they just do it for fun or it's just like a hobby. It's just they want to do something on Saturday morning. So this league is for everybody else. You have your school league, then you have everybody else. And I, I, so now us being on the school team, just because we made the school team didn't mean that we didn't want to be a part of the rec league. Like, we all wanted to play ball on Saturday mornings, too, and play with all of our friends. And so it would kind of become this thing where parents are trying to recruit and get the certain kids. And the people who put the league together, they try to break up the school team evenly on these teams to kind of even out the playing field of the league. So we, we have our teams, and I feel pretty good about our team. We were navy blue. Pat's team was gray, Okay. And I just felt like this might be our year to take rec league. This might, this might be our year. So we're in practice. It's after school. We're, we're in practice, and uh, Pat's at the free throw line. He, he's shooting his, his foul shots. And I start casually, you know, not, I'm not trying to be feisty or anything. Come on. So I say, I'm not competitive. Yeah, right. So I say to Pat, I say, man, I, I got to be honest, I, I'm feeling pretty good about our rec team this year. I think we might be able to win the championship, you know? And he's, now what you have to understand is we're best friends, we're both in seventh grade, but Pat gets around the eighth graders and because he's the best basketball player, he can act a little pompous. 
in this environment, okay? He can get a little arrogant. He can all of a sudden be too cool for my seventh grade friends. I'm with the eighth graders, right? I'm the best, best, whatever. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so he's shooting, and all of a sudden, it, for whatever reason, he gets real feisty, real sharp. And he's like, oh, yeah, right, bro. Yeah, right. You know, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to win the shit. We're going to go, are you kidding me? You think you're going to win? Huh? It, just, just talking, just, and I'm just like, dude, relax, whatever. I'm just, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. <laughs> so I, I can't even really, I can't remember the exact dialogue. So to recreate it would just, I'd be fabricating and exaggerating, but we, somehow we get into it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, Pat. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. And, and it's getting heated. So he's shooting his foul shots. I grab the rebound and I throw it back to I throw the ball back to him. But but here's what's also happening in the moment too is like the eighth graders are like kind of teaming up with him. And I'm feeling like, y'all are cornering me. You know, like I'm feeling defensive. Like I gotta, this is I don't like the way this feels. I, I don't like feeling surrounded. I don't like not being a part. I'm a, you know, and, and I think some of them were probably on the gray team too, and I'm just feeling. So I remember I just grabbed the ball and I just, I just passed it back to him for him to shoot his foul shots. But he's so mad that he throws the ball at my head, okay? So it just, I'm not expecting him to do that. So this thing just drills me in the head. And, and here, I, I, I am a broken man. I have a lot of issues. I have a lot of problems, okay? But one thing that I just don't have is this switch, where like get real angry and you know some some guys some girls <clears throat> my wife <clears throat> no just kidding <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding um, I can count on one hand the amount of times where the switch has just flipped and uh, blacked out and made bad decisions in anger okay this was one of those times <laughs> so the ball hits me and I'll just never forget I just turn and I just look at him and it just thinking I'm gonna kill you like I'm just gonna kill you. <laughs> So I start running at Pat. I don't even know what I'm going to do. It's like I'm not even controlling my body. It's just, it's just happening. It's just happening. And I just, I just come back, throw a punch at him. He blocks the first one like this. I throw another punch, drill him right in the face, drop him one punch. Now, I'm not celebrating that, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah. Then I started crying. But still, in the moment, it was cool. But... Now, maybe you're in here like, Pastor Mark, I thought we were supposed to be talking about Ephesians. <laughs> I'm covering my kids' ears. You're a terrible example. What, what, what's, the point, what's the point of the story? Um, the point of the story is, is my, as my so-called friend was mocking me, as the, uh, as his, the eighth graders were rallying with him, I, I, it was a moment in my life where I felt like an outsider. You know, like I felt like an outsider. And sometimes that position of being an outsider is not a fun position to be in. And I think we all respond differently to that. Maybe it kills our confidence. Maybe it causes us to get aggressive and lash out and try to fight our way to whatever. It can stir up emotions. We don't, we don't enjoy being the outsider. The outsider is, is, and I don't think God likes when there's outsiders. I don't think God is an 
outsiders type of God. I, I believe God came through Jesus. I, I think there's a message of unity in that, in that cross, right? But, but in this moment, I felt like an outsider. So I think it's interesting that Paul takes so much time to elaborate uh, as he talks and as he writes to the Ephesians. He, he opens up this part, or, or this part of the letter says, don't forget you Gentiles were outsiders. Y'all were outsiders. Okay, the, the verse goes on. This is 2, 11 through 13. It says, you used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts. So it's like Paul saying, listen, I'm not saying the Jews were perfect. They had things they needed to work on too, but y'all were outsiders. Y'all were seen as less than in society, okay? Y'all were heathens. Y'all were considered unworthy, dirty, gross, not to be associated with. That's who you guys were. He said, in those days, verse 12, in those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from the citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God, and without hope. That, that's my first thought of the day is this. We were outsiders. There was a point in time where we, church, as individuals, were outsiders. Paul seems to be adamant about reminding the believers in Ephesus who they once were. It's almost like he's telling them, don't forget who you were before Jesus. Don't forget for thousands and thousands of years, there was animosity between the people of God and the Gentiles, right? The, so, so maybe you're, you're sitting in here, the, the Gentiles, the Jews, what, what are you? So the Jews, let's just make it really simple. This is Sunday school here. Jews, the people of God, set apart for God in, in the old covenant, and eventually Jesus would come to unite all of humanity, but, but God is going to bring his Messiah through the Jews. So the Jews are the people of God. Say amen if you got it. Okay, then we have the Gentiles, which is anybody else. Easy? Two groups of people, Jews, Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles, they, they partook of pagan religions. They were viewed as outcasts. They were viewed as barbaric, unclean, weren't worthy of association. Now, Jews, all this time of being God's people set apart, they're starting, they were beginning to grow proud. We see that in, in some of their behavior feeling more significant because they served the one true God. Those who served the one true God, they were circumcised. So if you weren't circumcised, you were considered less than. You were considered less than. We see this segregation between Jews and Gentiles, but no, not only was there a physical segregation that took place between these two people groups, but we see in this text, there's also a spiritual segregation between the two, where, where Paul's reminding the Gentiles, you didn't know about the promises of God. You weren't a part. You, you, weren't, you weren't a part of the, the blessing. You, you weren't a part of the commandments and the regulations they were under. They, they weren't part of the chosen people of God in this time. Paul is reminding them, you were living purposeless, hopeless lives. It's like, okay, Paul, we get it, bro. <laughs> like, we get it. Okay, circumstances weren't great. They were a little miserable. Paul, why are you so adamant that we remember how miserable life once was for us? 
Like we didn't enjoy being the outsiders, Paul, but, but maybe the reason Paul's writing this, maybe the point is to fully understand the goodness of God and the heart of God. Maybe it's not just about where we're headed, but, but maybe it's about remembering where he's brought us from. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it's not just about where I'm headed, but to look back and say, man, you've been good, God. Man, you brought me from that. Man, you set me free from that. And what about us? Like, remember when you were an outsider? Remember you when you were living as an outsider? Remember those days when trials would come and it seemed like there was no hope to cling to? There, there was nothing to hang on to. There was no greater name. There was no one or nothing that was outside of the trial you found yourself in the middle in. Remember those days we were dominated by our sinful desires. We were living, committed to living destructive lives. Remember those days sitting, on the, sitting in service, sitting in church, but drowning in the conviction of what we were partaking in the night before because we were lost. We were lost. We were outsiders feeling at times that we were living, we were living, but we were living without God and without hope maybe. Maybe some of us have found ourselves in those seasons. But then Paul goes on to write in verse 13, he says, but now, but now, but now you've been united in Christ Jesus. Come on, any, anybody had a but now moment in the room? Come on, I was lost, but now. I was doubtful, but now. I was selfish, but now. Come on, I was hopeless, but now. Come on, I was suicidal, but now. I didn't feel like I belonged, but now I'm united in Christ Jesus. Everything's changed. I'm an outsider, but now I'm an insider because of one man. And that's Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes remembering what he's brought us from is how we fully recognize the goodness of the season we're in now. Ephesians 2.13, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Now we're insiders. We were outsiders, but now we're insiders. Are you grateful this morning? That'll be my second thought of the day. Now we're insiders. Now we're insiders. Paul continues to write his letter. He says this in verses 14 through 18. He says, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He, he united the Jews and the Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the walls of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between the Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new group of people. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of death on the cross and our hostility towards each other. There's no longer any reason for it. It's no longer any purpose. In fact, it was put to death. Verse 17, he brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to Jews who are near. Now all of us come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. So we read this, and, and I think a lot of us have been in church long enough to know that we gotta love everybody. Jesus saves, you know? It's like, get everybody you know. Our friends are lost. We gotta, we gotta get our coworkers are lost. Our, our, our siblings are lost. We need to unite each other. And, you know, the church is a hospital for the sick. And I, I understand we know that. 
But we're 2,000 years removed from that message. This is this message is coming on the scene for the first time that all of a sudden it's about everybody. It's about everybody. It's no longer, it's no longer just this culture of exclusivity, right? Now it's get everybody you can, get them all. Right, but, but at this time, this, this thought, this statement, what Paul is writing, this is, revol- this is a revolutionary passage, statement. Paul, you're, you're telling me all, there's been wars over this. We, we, we haven't associated with each other. I hate them and, and they hate us. We're not even allowed. They, they got their own, they, they got their own bathrooms. They just, we don't, we don't go to their house. They don't come to our house. And, and now, Paul's saying, through Jesus, there's no more separation. Through Jesus, come on, my heart, his heart, we're all on the same team. So, so this, is, this is revolutionary. After thousands of years, the Jews, and think about for the Jews, the Jews have followed the system of the law. They, they've followed the commandments and the regulations and performed the sacrifices and, and done all these things to be holy and be right in the eyes of God. And, and Paul's reminding them, hey, with Jesus, it's just not what it looks like anymore. It's just not what it looks like. That, that's old covenant. So after years of Jews believing they shouldn't, shouldn't associate with those who don't believe or act like them or think like them, Jesus has ended the system. Jesus has made a new way for Gentiles who were outsiders to now become insiders. That, that's what's happened. Jesus broke down social class barriers. Jesus destroyed racism. Jesus destroyed anyone's ability to say, my life is more valuable than theirs. That doesn't exist anymore. Paul is saying it doesn't matter if you were a Gentile, far from God, didn't know anything about God, didn't go to youth group, didn't go to church, didn't go to kids class, right? It, it doesn't matter if, if you're far or if you're a Jew where you got a little bit of the background, but you're missing the ending of the story and you're near to God, like you're almost, it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Doesn't matter where you are. We've all been united in Christ Jesus. It's all in the name of Jesus. That, that unifies us all. That, that's where all of our value is. That's where all of our significance is, right? Through faith in Jesus, we all belong. It's no longer a, a physical, you know, a, a silly physical mark like circumcision that determines whether or not you're in or you're out, whether or not you're an insider or not. But now it's the spirit of God at work. He's, he's circumcised my heart. Right, he's cut away the the sin. He's cut away. He, he's cut away the things in me. He's made me new. His spirit at work within me is how you can tell I'm a believer now. The spirit at work within me is how you can tell that the Lord's at work in my life. That salvation is mine. Eternity with God is mine. Now it's the spirit of God at work within me and at work within you that unifies us all in thought and purpose. Right. Galatians 5, verses 5 through 6, it elaborates on this thought. It says this, but we who live by the Spirit, we who live by the Spirit are are guided by the Spirit at work within us. We eagerly, someone say eagerly. We eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit. Say no benefit. He's saying it don't matter anymore, man, whether you snip or don't snip. Okay, there's no benefit. There is no benefit to being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important, what the message is, is faith is expressing itself in love. How are you treating the people around you? 
When you interact with people as you walk throughout the world, do you make people feel loved? Because that's what this faith thing is all about. That's what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, to love God and to love people. So Jesus brought all the outsiders to insiders. Jesus made a way for all who were once outsiders to become insiders. But that's not the end of the story. That's the message that we as Christians are to carry to the world. So the message is we were once outsiders, now we're insiders, but, but now what? Now we gotta let everybody know they can, they can come too. Now we gotta let everybody know y'all are invited. Y'all are invited, this, this kingdom's for everybody. And that, that brings me to my final thought this morning. Um, Keys, if, if you wanna jump up on stage, Val, greatly appreciate it. My, my third thought is this, we are the church. We are the church. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says this. Now you Gentiles, you're no longer strangers or foreigners. That's not who you are anymore. But you're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're on team Jesus now, come on. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, but the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, through Jesus, the spirit at work within us, through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of his dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Paul, Paul in this, this part of uh, the letter, came out a little hot, did, did a good job reminding us of just how miserable life was before Jesus and before he came into the town of Ephesus and brought revival pretty much. He says, don't forget who you are. Don't, for, don't, or don't forget who you were. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what the situation used to be like. But, but he closes Ephesians 2 in, in a really encouraging way. He reaffirms the believers of who they are now. He says, now... Paul says, you're not strangers anymore. Now, you're members of the family. Now, we're joined together in Christ. Now, we are becoming temples of the Holy Spirit. I want you to write this down. I said this in our rally this morning, but our mission as the, as the church is not just to belong. It's not just to belong, it's to build. We weren't just created to belong, we were commissioned to build, right? The cornerstone has been laid. Everything's built on Jesus. That that one name, right? The King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who, whom through all things, things were created in, created for, created through. It's all Jesus on, on top. We laid the foundation, the prophets and the apostles laid the foundation. They used them to begin the church, right? But now he's, we have a role to play. You'll notice in Ephesians 2, verses 21 through 22, it says we are carefully joined together in him, becoming. Someone say becoming. Becoming, that, that's present, becoming. Like, there's work to be done. We're, we're building. We're becoming a holy temple for the Lord, Right? And through him, you Gentiles are also being made, you're being made a part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So I think for us, it, it begs this question, okay, okay, Pastor Mark, we don't wanna just belong. 
We don't, we don't want to just belong. We want to build. But what does that look like? How do we build? Right? If we're going to build this kingdom, come on, give us something tangible. Give us something practical. How can we, do, how can we build? I want to be a builder. Come on. Can we fix it? Yes, we can. Amen. I'm almost <laughs> broke down into Bob the Builder right there. Peter, Peter, in one of Peter's letters, he puts it so clear. It's so good. I want to share a couple verses with you out of 1 Peter chapter 2. He, he writes this, uh, verses 1 through 5. He says, get rid of all your evil behavior. We've been talking a lot about that, church. But he says, get rid of all your evil behavior. Church, what, what do we need to get rid of? Right? He, he gives us a list. He says, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, unkind speech. Come on, like newborn babies. Peter says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. I wonder if some of us are in here and, and we're, we've experienced salvation but haven't experienced the full experience of salvation. Maybe God has more for you. Maybe God has more for me. I read that and I said a full experience of salvation. I want to experience that. So remove, God, from me, anything that's keeping me from that. Anything that's keeping me from your calling and your purpose and your will. He says, now that you have been, uh, he says, uh, cry out for this nourishment. Now that you have made, or, or that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Verse four, you are coming to Christ, who is the living, say living. So, so Christ is the cornerstone on which everything is built. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He says, he was rejected by the people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And here's the verse that really just stuck out to me in this specific part, verse five is, but you are the living stones. We are the building blocks, y'all. But you are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Listen, we can just belong, but we need more bricks laid. We can just belong, but there's a kingdom that needs to be built. And God has partnered with us in building that. Amen. Come on. He took us from outsiders to insiders. And now we got to let everybody know. We got There's a kingdom that needs to be built. And what's more is you are his holy priest. We're not just called to belong. We're called to build. There's work to do. We got to share Jesus. We got to show people Jesus. Amen. So then I want to skip down in 1 Peter chapter 2 and share verse 11 with you. He says this, he says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. He's saying, this earth isn't where you're gonna live your whole life. Like this isn't just it. There's more, we're, we're part of, we're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of this earth. We're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. This here is our temporary dwelling. He says, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your souls. He says, be careful to live properly. Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. The great theologian Michael Jordan once said, let your game speak. That's what Peter's saying. Peter's saying, you, you, you don't need, and it's not always just about talking. It's not just always words. It's not just always about what we say. Peter's saying, live this out live this out and people are going to come to people might come to know Jesus just through your actions just through the way that you live now what i think is so appropriate is the reason peter's writing this at the time is is because there's uh, you know there, there's a lot of chaos going on you could you could say politically 
Christians at the time, they're, they're being blamed for their rebellion against the government. There's some terroristic acts that they're blaming the Christians. They're saying the, the, the people who follow Jesus are doing this. They're blaming them. There's rumors of cannibalism in, in, in the uh, gathering of believers because of communion, you know, like partake of my blood and my flesh and rumors have spread that they're cannibalistic, right? And, and then uh, there's rumors that they've encouraged violent revolts against authority and, and different stuff like that. So Peter is saying to them, when all this is going down, Peter is saying, let your lives, let your lives speak. People can blame you all they want, but once they see the way you live, once they see your honorable lives, they'll say, wait a minute, there's something different there. Wait a minute, who do they serve? Wait a minute, who, who is that God? Amen? So church, there, there is a calling on us to not just belong, but to build the kingdom. And it's more than words. Okay, there's a calling to live set apart. There's a calling to love others ruthlessly and relentlessly and to continually carry the message of Jesus everywhere we go. It's time to build, amen? But here's the deal. Before you can help us start building, you gotta belong. Jesus has given you an invitation. And I just wonder if there's someone in the room, you haven't given your heart to Jesus yet. You haven't professed faith. You haven't responded to the finished work of the cross. And I wanna give you that opportunity. If you're in this room and you're like, man, I'm ready to give Jesus everything. I'm ready to hand over my heart, give him my whole life. If that's you, would you put your hand up in the air right now and say, that's me, I wanna make that decision. Come on, I'm ready to live for Jesus. I'm ready to give him everything. Come on, would there be one? Maybe you're sitting there wrestling with it. I don't want to tug, I don't want to pull, but at the same time, we're talking eternity here. We're talking serious business. All right, let's stand, church. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful. Worship team, you can come. Father, we just, we're so grateful for who you are. We're so grateful for the finished work of the cross that unites us all in thought and in purpose. God, I, I pray as, as we walk out of this place that we would live with the mentality that we weren't called just to belong. God, but you've commissioned us to build. Father, in, in, uh, strengthen us through the work of your Holy Spirit. God, I pray over these people that we wouldn't just be believers that just hear, that just listen, but we would be a group of believers that are committed to doing. God, we love you so much. It's in your holy and mighty name we all said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.